from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, today we find ourselves in this great feast of divine mercy. And in a particular way, this year, this one of those years where many things kind of converge in order to reveal God's love for us. Many things converge. It was 11 years ago, both on the calendar 
and on the liturgical calendar that John Paul II died on the eve of the Feast of Divine Mercy. And he was the Pope that most of us knew growing up for a long period of time. And so it's not very often that Easter falls this early. It was 11 years ago. I think the next time is like more than 20 years from now. And so that's kind of interesting. And we also find ourselves right in the middle of this great jubilee year of mercy that Pope Francis has proclaimed. And the opening prayer for the Mass that we prayed is a good summary of why our Holy Father proclaimed the year of mercy. It said this, God of everlasting mercy, who in the very recurrence of the Paschal Feast kindled the faith of the people you have made your own. Right? The purpose of Easter every year is to kindle the faith of the people that have been made his own. It's to enkindle the fire of love in our own hearts as we reflect on and renew our own baptism. And so we prayed, increase the grace you have bestowed that all may grasp and rightly understand in what font they have been washed, that we all will understand and really deeply understand in our hearts what happened to us when we were baptized. That we also may grasp and rightly understand in whose spirit we have been reborn and by whose blood we have been redeemed. That we more, may more completely understand and grasp everything that Thomas understood and grasped in today's gospel. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. so that we can have life in his name. So that we can have life in his name. And divine mercy is this ordering of God's love to us in a particular way. John Paul II says that mercy is love that reaches beyond the requirements of justice which precisely means that it's when we experience the fact that God loves us, even though we understand that we don't deserve it. Especially when we understand that we don't deserve it. It's the very definition of mercy. It's the reason we're celebrating this feast day today. It's the reason we're celebrating this year of mercy. And yet so many of us, when faced with this truth, that God loves me even though I don't deserve it, we kind of just backpedal and say, yeah, but I really don't deserve it. Father, you don't understand. Like, other people don't deserve it, but I really don't deserve it. Because I'm really bad. There are things in my life that are so bad that even God, he can't really possibly love me. And if he does love me, it's only because he kind of has to because he's God. As if God is this divine, curmudgeonly father 
who sort of looks at us and says, I can't believe how much of a bonehead Father Kilkali is, but I guess I have to kind of love him anyways. And he like throws me a bone every once in a while. God is not a divine curmudgeon. He actually loves us. And yet we have a difficult time grasping that. And we're not unlike Thomas. And as the gospel was proclaimed this morning, I was reflecting on, like, what did Thomas doubt? Like, what exactly did he doubt? Because it's a weird dialogue. You know, Jesus appears in the upper room where the doors were locked. And he comes in and he breathes on the disciples who are gathered there and gives them the power to forgive sins. Did Thomas doubt that our Lord would actually give us the power to forgive sins? Did Thomas doubt that Jesus could pass through locked doors? Did he doubt the resurrection or did he doubt a particular way in which our Lord was resurrected? Because the thing that Thomas asks for for proof is that he can put his finger into Jesus' hands and put his hand into Jesus' side. And so perhaps Thomas doubted that our Lord was resurrected with his wounds. As if to kind of say, okay, all right, guys, I buy the fact that Jesus could have risen from the dead. That's okay, I got it. But why would he rise from the dead with the reminder of his crucifixion? Why would he want to constantly be reminded of the pain and that he went through in his life? Wouldn't it be better or wouldn't it make more sense that he was resurrected intact? As if his crucifixion never happened. Wouldn't that make more sense? And so I'm not going to believe any of this because it seems contradictory until I can put my finger into his wounds. That is the doubt that I would most identify with and I think most of us would most identify with. That Jesus would be resurrected with his wounds. Because in our own lives, our own wounds are things that we don't want anybody to see. We don't want anybody to know about them. Most of us want to live our lives as if we'd never had them before. And so why would it make sense that Jesus walking around is sort of showing off the holes in his hands that have been resurrected and redeemed. When our Lord died on the cross, it was the greatest witness to love in the history of the world. It was the greatest act of mercy in the history of the world. 
the innocent Son of God who did not know sin became sin and gave his life on the cross so that we all might live even though we don't deserve it. It's the greatest act of mercy. And his wounds are a witness to what the Father had done with him. They're a sign of what the Father did in him. That as he endured the greatest suffering, he also was resurrected and glorified. His suffering was a measure of his love. His glory reveals the measure of the Father's love for him. And in our own lives, too, our Lord wants to resurrect our wounds, to glorify them. to redeem them. He wants to redeem our suffering. And yet the greatest obstacle to us receiving God's mercy is that all of our past sins, all of our past wounds, the ways that people have violated us in the past, we want to put those all in a box and lock them away and pretend like they never happened. But it's Jesus who wants to pass through the locked doors of that box. Just as he passed through the locked doors of the upper room. In order to resurrect, redeem, and heal everything that has happened in our life. So that it's not as if those things never happened, but rather we become a witness to what our Lord has done for us. We become a witness to what our Lord has done for us. That is the witness that people need in order to believe in the power of God. It's the witness people need in order to believe in the power of God. I was thinking particularly about people who suffer with addictions and the power of witness in their own healing. If somebody has an addiction and they come to a friend and they say, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with this addiction, and the friend says, well, just do this, 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 and then you'll be good. And that person usually is thinking to themselves, yeah, I've already done all that stuff, knucklehead. That's why I'm coming to you. What do you know? How is that possible? If they go to another friend and the friend says, I'm so sorry that's going on in your life. Like, I know, I've been there. 
I was addicted to alcohol for this many years. Then, like, I started to go get help. I went to community. I did this. I really let our Lord enter into my life to redeem it. And I've been sober for the last 10 to 20 years, even for the last five years. Then that person says, okay, there's something real that happened there. There's a witness there. There's something real that happened there. We're all called to be witnesses to what our Lord has done in our life. When we deeply understand who Jesus is and what he's done and what font we have been baptized, by whose blood we have been redeemed, and we become a witness to that, then the gospel spreads. And we're filled with joy. When St. Paul goes and preaches the gospel, he always sort of, whenever he's called into question, like, well, what do you know? He sort of says, I was the biggest persecutor of the church. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I was standing there and everybody was piling up. Everybody was paying homage to me because I was killing Christians. And then Jesus entered into my life and he said to me, why are you persecuting me? And he blinded me. And then he healed me. And ever since then, I've been proclaiming this gospel. There's more power in that story because Paul himself had resurrected wounds. He was redeemed from his sin. And this is what our Lord came to do. This is the font that we have been baptized in. This is the blood that we have been redeemed in. It is his spirit that has transformed us. And it all begins with that experience of mercy. And Thomas comes to faith as he enters into the wounds of Jesus, as he does see that wound and makes this connection that this is the very wound that redeemed my life. And this has been resurrected in a way that is now beautiful. And I want that for myself. And he came to believe in him, my Lord and my God. That is the mercy that Pope Francis wants us all to experience in this year of mercy. That mercy that transforms our hearts and makes us new. And on this feast of divine mercy, it is a day of special grace to say to our Lord, Jesus, I want you to pass through the locked doors of my own heart, to enter into those places that I don't want anybody to know about that I don't even really want you to know about. And I want you to transform them. I beg you to transform them. To allow those places to be redeemed and resurrected and bear witness to you. Because you are the source of all life.
Today is that day of mercy. And so today, let us pray that our Lord does just that. That he will pass through the locked doors of our hearts. Let us pray for the courage to bring to him the most wounded parts of our own life. To beg him to transform them. And let us also pray that we never be ashamed of entering into the lives of others who are wounded. That we see in the lives of the others who are wounded an opportunity like Thomas to touch the wounds of Jesus because we are all members of his body and that our Lord may truly bring about renewal, hope, and life within our families, within our parish, and in the greater community.